Hey, this is Ryan Dungey, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. Hey guys, I'm Jenny Taft. You're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Brittany Chisholm. You're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. down off this table real quick. I was over here headbanging, <laughs> getting yeah. after it, man. Whew, tired after that. <laughs> I like that. What's you get tired that? quick. Yeah, and no, it doesn't take long. What? Uh, what's the name of that band again? That is a band called Thrust. Thrust. Um, the guitar player is a guy named Angel Rodriguez. He follows me on Instagram. He's a moto guy. Um, he hit me up about his their new album's coming out at the end of this week on Friday. They're doing a tour through the state the, the states. What up, Angel? So yeah, I uh, figured I'd throw that out there. And I, th- I thought it was pretty cool. It reminds me of some like early speed metal. I love that shit. Yeah, Whatever that sound is, they got that. Yeah. I like that sound I was, a lot. I dug it as soon as I heard it, and I was like, yeah, that's some shit. I, I can't wait for that to come out. I'm gonna buy that. Heck it's yeah. Supposed to be on iTunes, and I think there's some pre sales on. He said Best Buy and Amazon. So thrust, thrust. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy some of that stuff. Yep. It sounds like good music to have. I'm digging it. I like it. Yeah, me too, dude. And he's me a moto guy. The guitar He plays guitar. I think they have dual guitars, but he's one of the guitar players. Well, any any moto guy is a friend of ours. Absolutely. So, But anyways, what up, guys? Episode. What episode is this? 75. 75. Holy crap. Episode 75 of the Moto X Pod Show. Did you think we'd do this many? Well, duh. Starting off. No, you didn't. I had no idea. I didn't either. I didn't start off at the show, so I didn't, you know, started well, off. Well, with... I didn't think we'd get past like five. So, I mean, like, it's, we, we've right. exceeded that by a lot. So, yeah, yeah. and actually, there's more than 75 guys. It's just the first three or four aren't available anymore because they were on a different server, however that right, works. Right, right. But, and they were, they sucked. The anyway. lost shows. They sucked, anyways. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but I went on it. So. We, were, we were recording them off somebody's fucking phone and uh, with, with well, earbuds. <laughs> I remember, I remember he, like listening, you know, because TJ told me about it. And yeah. I was, I listened, I was doing a uh, backflow class in Tyler and I was listening to it like on my break. And you guys were talking about mad skills. And I didn't know you or Phil at the time. Phil was, you know, was one of the original guys on the show. Yeah. yeah. Just uh, I knew TJ, and I was like, "All right, which one of these guys is supposed to be so good at mad skills?" And fucking Phil did dominate. Dude, he is good at that shit. I ain't gonna lie. Episode seventy-five of the Moto X Pod Show is brought to you by Mad Jack Synthetic Dealers of Amsoil Products. Go to MadJackDiesel.ShopAmsoil.com. Get yourself set up with some awesome Amsoil lubricants, products, chain lube. Anything and everything Amsoil has to offer. I got a box of it sitting next to me. I'm gonna be running it in all my machines and. 
I actually have chain lube now because I just use WD-40. So now I have some actual chain lube. That'd be awesome. But give them a call toll-free, 855-623-5225. Again, 855-623-5225. Tell them Moto X Pod Show sent you. Oh, man. Indigestion, homie. It sucks. <laughs> All Sport Dynamics. Visit motocrosswristbrace.com to get yourself set up with the braces worn by Weston Pike, Adam Cincerillo, Brock Tickle, Austin Forkner, and many, many more. Us three idiots that run this show all wear all sport dynamic braces. Love them. Don't like riding without them. Can't beat the product. Jeff's a great guy. Follow him on Instagram at wristbraceguy. Again, that's motocrosswristbrace.com. Guys, they're a Texas company, so we love them, but they serve the world of sports, not just motocross. You've got bull riders, NFL players, things of that nature. So uh, even if you don't have wrist problems, use it as a preventative. You never know. I mean, do you ever want to have any wrist problems? I nope. don't. Well, you know, TJ's son, Doc, just broke his <laughs> oh, wrist. And, oh, uh, I'm still The first thing it. I sent was, yep, should have been wearing the braces. You know what, old Doc, though? He's a cat. He was in the kitchen when I got yeah. here with that cast. You know, one arm in a sling still cooking his own food oh, to yeah. eat. Hey. Yeah, I, was, I, I told him I wish he had known he was making bacon and eggs because I wouldn't have stopped at Sonic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're all bummed for Doc Smith. Get well soon, homie. We know you got this. But uh, MX Girl Designs, that is G-U-R-L, guys. Got, hit Char up. Uh, Char at MXGirl.com. Get her to send you a, some proof work. Get yourself set up with some awesome custom graphics at a reasonable price. No templates to go through and decide what base you know she might have that you can just add your logos to. She will custom make you a set of graphics. Hit her up on Instagram at mxgirl. That again, guys, G U R L, and or you can contact Jamie or myself, Muscle Mark, and we can get you set. We can get you set up with a phone number for Char and uh, get the graphics like what we both run. We love them. So she does vintage. Can, you know, modern bikes, this and that. She could probably do decals for your truck, oh, yeah. tra- decals for your trailer. She's doing what's up for my van or for my trailer right now. There you go. So on and so forth. So if you could think about it, I bet Shark can do it for you. So give her a shout out and uh, tell her the guys at Moto X Pod Show sent you. Shock Socks, the original and number one 10 second removable fork sill protector. Guys, visit your local dealer for details on how to get yourself a set of shock socks. Leaky fork sills suck. Nobody likes leaky fork sills, so go spend you 20, 30 bucks on a set of shock socks and you won't have to worry about that anymore. Burnmotorsports.com, but visit your local dealer for details. All of us here run shock socks as well and uh, love them. So, Five Star Roofing of Texas. Guys, visit 5starroofingoftexas.com if you're in the North Texas area and or really in Texas anywhere and you need something done such as residential, commercial, composition, metal roofs, custom patios, metal buildings, pergolas, and more, give the guys over there at uh, 5 Star Roofing a call, 214-402-8565. Again, that is area code 214-402-8565. Ask for Chad. Give him trouble. Tell him we said to. Tell him we sent you. And uh, fivestarroofingoftexas.com will serve all your roofing and or anything else needs as far as custom home stuff goes. Guys, dark side muscle mark in the house. What up? What's up? You want to go ahead and get TJ on the get phone? T- get DJ. T- get Uncle Creepy on the phone. Uncle Creepy. Uncle Creepy. I can't believe it's 7 o'clock and we're already rocking and rolling. That never happens, dude. <laughs> Yeah, Uncle Creepy. What? You're live. You're live on the Moto X podcast. And he said, "What?" <laughs> he kind of liked it. He kind of liked it. It's kind of like when my fiance says, "Hey, baby." <laughs> <laughs> what, baby? <laughs> I was like, "Y'all are with your retards." 
uh, you know. Well, we hang out with you, so. Yeah. That did. Doesn't say much for you. No, you're right. No. I'm trying to I'm trying to steer y'all in the right direction is what it is. No, you're trying oh, to steer. Like try- if the right direction is your direction, then that ain't the way yeah. you're trying to steer us. I don't know, bro. I'm just telling you, like, like I'm just saying, I'm trying to kind of correct y'all's negative behaviors. <laughs> right. So, hey, let's go ahead and get to this. Everybody wants to talk. Everybody's talking about this. They're going to talk about it probably until the blue in the face for three or four more weeks. The Moosecan Tomac incident. What Guys, are you, what are you talking about? Exactly. Yeah. Guys, you, you, start, you know, you know, I, oh, I'm sorry. Well, just starting off, I think it's fine. It's for the race win. No, here's, it's you real know. easy. And I don't understand why nobody said this. If you watch the race, um, even Ralph Shaheen and Jeff Emig, who are great at noticing things, and we'll talk to Ralph they even later. Noticed, <laughs> well, they even noticed about how, um, he, how fast Tomac was coming out of the corners. His exit speed was just on a whole other level compared to everybody else. Well, Muskin didn't know that. He was behind him the whole you know, He was in front of him, like behind him, catching him because of that tremendous exit speed. Last lap, Muskin's like, I'm going to jump in there and try to block pass, having not really realizing how hard on the gas Tomac was and how aggressive he was riding. Muskin went in, misjudged it. Tomac didn't think there was any chance of somebody coming in there because he was so far inside. He just pins it like he had been doing the whole race, passing people and cutting through the pack and all that kind of stuff, you know? I lay the, he, uh, I lay the entire blame of that on Eli Tomac. I don't blame it. I just blame it on a racing incident. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, if there's going to be some fingers get pointed, I'm pointing them at the three-bike. I mean, dude, you don't leave the door open like that. You well, know? like I said, to him, he wasn't leaving the door open. He really... I watched it. I did. I went back and watched it a couple of times in everybody's videos. He was on the most inside rut. Like, yeah, there was a there was a flat spot at the bottom where Muskin went, but his exit speed was so fast he caught Muskin off guard, and that's what happened. And and by the rules, it wasn't dirty because they didn't both go down. That's the way I look at it. I have a question here to anybody who's older, like uh, us three are. Did you guys not watch Supercross in the nineties? Because if you did, well, what about arena cross? Arena, arena cross too. Now. Like no, dude, this should not. I mean, this was this was tame compared to what used to happen back then. Bradshaw yeah. Park, you just for being in front of him, not even for any reason other than that. Muskan got in there and was going for the win. I'm not faulting him for it. And I believe me, I mean, I would would, would want to root for Tomac first. But hey, man, it is what it is. I think it's fine. Well, I know that y'all. I don't know. If, I'm sure Jamie has. I don't know if you listened to the folk show yet, Mark. But I am a hundred percent with with Mathis and everybody saying Muskin should have just owned it. Now, yeah, I agree. The fact with that. that he got the fact that he got booed was a hundred percent because he's French. Had nothing to do with anybody. If anybody else would have done that, nobody would. Well, if the roles were if the roles had been reversed, yeah, I don't think anybody. Cheer. Nobody's. No, they would have cheered. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So it, and, and I hate that because Muskin. And his wife, and they're just such nice people. Yeah. It, that doesn't matter. But he should have come up and said, and he said it on the podium in the on the TV was, "Hey, it was a win. I was going for a win." Yeah. And he, he should have just stuck with that. He should have said, "Exactly." Mathis nailed it on the head. If he just stood up behind it and didn't backtrack and say, "Hey, guess what? You'd have done it to me. I'm sorry, but that's just what it is." Paid his fine and moved on. Everybody would have thought he was a man. But he makes himself look bad like some French people do. Excuses. Yeah, if that's me and I take Tomac out like that and he comes up throwing his grip at me, I stick my middle finger square in his face and be like, tough shit. I got 100 Gs for the win and you're in second place. Have a nice day. Bye. I would have loved to see how Villaman would have handled that situation. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vilma yeah. would have just flipped him off. Same deal. He would have just been like, tough shit, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, but Tomax, I, I, mean, I forgot y'all have a Ralph on. Do you have, are you going to be able to turn, um, Dark Side's mic off so you can actually get the moto questions in or you can talk radio and music. Well, they're going to talk about the 49ers, you know, and, and, and everything else that's stupid about California. And Whoa. It, uh, <laughs> you know, or whatever. I'm kidding. But Hey, there's a reason it's the most populated state in the country. Yeah, okay. But anyway, well, yeah, they, they give the most shit away if the government does. That's why. But it, uh, it was the most populated state before any of that started hey, happening. Hey, guess, guess what? I gotta give I, I gotta California. give California, like San Diego, and state and, and cities like that, a bunch of credit because those guys are like standing with like the government saying no more sanctuary cities. So I mean, hey, I know it's not a political deal, but hey, I, I don't even care. I just like to bust Jamie's ass. I love California, so oh, yeah. Well, I mean, ever I mean, you know, In-N-Out Burger was created. What more do you need? <sighs> yeah. In-N-Out Burger and West Coast ah, beaches. Jesus Christ. The, yeah. Well, anyways, if we could talk about not talk about like Metallica and the 49ers the whole time, that'd be cool because I'd like to get some Supercross questions in with Ralph, and you know well, he's our guest. He'll talk about what he wants to. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I have some awesome. questions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jamie, what do you think about the incident? Because we didn't get your opinion on this. Yeah, I'm kind of. Uh, First and foremost, I think he should have taken responsibility for for the move and and not apologize, you know, not apologize and said and and it pointed his finger at the other the other incidences. But at the same time, I disagree with Adam Knapp and Kiefer. And I think they're smoking. I think rocks. he went in and he had his bike turned in the right direction. He was slid yeah. the rear end around and was pointed in the right direction. Unlike when Jason Anderson took him out a few weeks ago. And Jason had no intentions of making that left-hand turn. He went yeah. straight. I, I mean, it was very aggressive, and I don't think he thought Eli was going to be in the spot he was. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think for a, for a, yeah. a, a win on I the mean, last lap, you see I thought him it was dart a, to the inside right there. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. I mean, it was – Eli was so fast. The other issue oh, I think boy. people just right. are having a hard time with is it's just so unexpected from him, from mm-hmm. Marvin. So people like if it had been Barsha, you'd be like, "Yep, yeah, that's that's pretty much what he does," mm-hmm. you know. But, yeah, I started the Barsha would have owned it. Yeah, oh, Barsha would have been like, "Yeah, that's me." So yeah. you know, but no, I listened to that first part of the Pulp Show. That's as far as I got into, it, and I heard what Indig Nap said, and he's smoking rocks. Hundred percent chance that that's the LCQ, and he's in fifth place. He does the oh, same thing to the guy in he fourth did, place. He said they asked him at some point later because yeah. they talk about the whole show. If you were in that position for a win, would you have done the same thing? I was like, "Well, yeah," but. Yeah, I think it's fine. I think that that's rubbing's racing. Get over it. You know, if it's if it's at your local track for the plus thirty C win, then maybe you're being a dick. But yeah. when it's Supercross, hey. it's a different deal. Hey, guess what? what? This last race that we all did, I tried to do that to Randy to beat him on the last moto. Yeah. I went in that corner, and I didn't care if I was making the finish line corner or not. I was trying to beat Randy. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yep, I didn't have to worry about it. I was at the back comfortably. I was good. I know. I appreciate. I appreciate that post you put on Instagram today about how much you know how good a better of a rider I am. And yeah, that, that that's it for sure. But uh, yeah, I missed you guys this weekend. You know, I was racing and you guys weren't doing shit. Yeah, I know. I'm, I am doing something. I'm having to now. I guess pay doctor bills. So yeah, man, we talk- we're all we're all bummed about that. We, we mentioned that a little bit ago. Yeah, he's he, he'll be fine. Oh, so he's got six weeks. He has six weeks for recovery. We got about seven and a half weeks before the the first Loretta's qualifier that he has to go to. So there you go. Yeah, he's still got time to get to get himself together. At least get, as long as he can get through regionals, he'll be good, right? 
Yeah. Hey, and Gorky raced 12 days after his surgery. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it, he'll be fine. It just it sucks, you know. I mean, it's but it's one of those things that happens. It's a dangerous sport. Yeah. Yep. 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 Unfortunately, and the bad thing is, yeah, y'all got to give him crap because he was just goofing around. Right. And we've been going back and forth about wrist braces, which yeah. it would have stopped this. So I mean, hey, I'm just saying. You never know. I mean, it may have. I mean, it was a high risk injury, but yeah, I mean, that but thing. Well, what's it? I, I saw a picture that that my that JT or buddy posted. Uh, sent me uh-huh. about one of the guys casing something, and I'll send it to you. And Doc said that's exactly what happened to him. And you can look, and you all sport dynamics would have stopped that. Right. Just saying. Yeah. No. I, I hey, I, well, all I, sport dynamics is what's up. We uh we yeah. got a shipment. Our Amsoil stuff is in. Um, and I I have Heck a yeah. bo- I have a box sitting on the couch with your stuff in it, and those wrist braces are in the box. So. Awesome. Awesome. They uh um, get me paid. That also, that, that Amsoil. Yeah. Amsoil. That's just really good. Oh, I was like really surprised they like our Janky Radio show. So I'm I'm really happy about that. Yeah, heck yeah, man. That, you got to thank Dane, Dane Evans for that. Dane. Yeah. So he's a man because I mean it's crazy that people actually take us seriously. It's a good thing they don't see our group messages. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, well, TJ, we're uh, we're a couple minutes away from getting J Bone on, so we're gonna have to get rid of you. Awesome. Hey. Nope. And you, you, y'all did y'all did hear about Enzo Lopes, right? Yeah, he's going to JGR. Yeah, and that uh, what's it called? I, I was trying to do some digging today to try to get that information before they dropped it. Maybe we could have, but they dropped it before I could get it out there. But awesome for Enzo. He's a great kid. He races around here a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, make sure you uh, yeah, oh, get so the yeah, information you, on that. Y- y'all know him then, huh? Yes. Well, I, he's sketchy, dude. Okay, I will say it will be exciting to watch him race because he is either going to win or he's going to spectacularly throw it away. Awesome. I love him already. So. <laughs> He's my type of guy. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, you have a great show. All Later. right, we'll see you, man. Later. Yeah, congrats, Enzo Lopes, on getting getting you a factory ride out of the amateurs and getting up there and it's time, time to show. Hangtown's just around the corner, and everybody's getting ready to go with that. But uh, yeah, I'm really most interested to see what Phil do, Filthy Phil does. The fact that he's not doesn't have a ride with JGR is still a little. He ain't gonna do nothing. It don't sound like he, unless somebody calls him. Yeah, he has some uh, some options apparently. Oh, he does. Yeah, we well, talked about it a little bit last night. Well, I haven't gotten that far into it. What are they saying? They didn't say. They just. Well, Adam said he's got options, or I think it was Adam. It might have been. Uh, who were they? Uh, they were talking to Pike. It was Pike that said he's got some options. It's just what he decides to do. So there's, I think there's offers out there. They just might not be what he wants. But he, I'm surprised he doesn't have a good offer. I mean, he's proved himself enough times outdoors. You know how it is. What have you yeah. done for me lately? Right. So, so anyway. All right, guys. Well, we're going to take a quick break and uh, be back with our first guest, Mr. Jeremy Albrecht from JGR. <laughs> Our first guest, longtime team manager for JGRMX and uh, former Kawasaki mechanic, the one and only Jeremy Albrecht. J Bone, what up, man? How's it going, guys? Going good. The little the little uh, hiccup with the uh, software threw me off my game on your intro, so I kind of messed <laughs> it up. No problem. 
Yeah, we uh, we have a regular producer who is working out in the oil field right now, so I fill in, and sometimes I mess up. No, we all do. Yeah, no right. <laughs> well, Jeremy, how are you feeling about the season so far? It's uh, up and down, but definitely uh, some good ups. So, yeah, it was really cool to see Peters get a podium on the weekend being That's injured. Nice. Yeah, stoked for him. That was cool. You know, Hill won won a uh, 250 main event and a podium. He'll roll great on the 450, so Pike's been doing great. So, yeah, we're things are cruising along. Happy to have Malcolm on the team. So, yeah, things are, uh, I would say, there's highlights, there's bummers, like Bogle <laughs> right. being hurt and, you know, Jimmy D breaking his back, but they're all, they're all healing up. I saw Bogle today. Jimmy D is going to be riding. I think he gets released June first, so we're on the on the right track. Hopefully, outdoors goes even better. Well, I tell you, what, you guys aren't alone in the in the in the, in, in the injury uh, issue this yeah. season. It has been a crazy year. But uh, and through all through all that, Weston Pike, no matter how many times he hits that ground, <laughs> the, he, the he gets up. The ground tells him he's that, that they're sorry, and he just gets back on his bike and keeps yeah, no the, kidding. Know, so, but, uh, yeah, he's tough. Definitely. He's, he's definitely tough. He's a, you know, again, he's, uh, you know, I think being fit, you know, Coy always, uh, talked about, you know, working hard and uh, everyone joked with him. He trained like a football player, but that's what, uh, I mean, Weston Pike showing it's not a bad way to be when you hit the ground. It's just like what Coy says, all the football players train to take a hit. Exactly. So, yep. Maybe he's on to something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That may be the future of our sport is that, that type of training and body type. Well those guys are definitely more yeah, durable. You don't, yeah, you don't have to be you know, that size to ride good. Right. But, you know, definitely to take a hit, it's it's been uh yeah, proven out to be be uh good. So yeah, Weston's been awesome for us over the years. He's uh yeah, he keeps improving, keeps getting better. You know, he uh fights through injury and gnarly crashes and get some top fives obviously really close to podium i feel oh yeah he got one in that triple crown format but uh was really gonna i think he was gonna get second or third no problem in that last race when he crashed but again that's racing things happen and uh yeah i'm just happy he's riding good absolutely it's probably got to be a pleasure to have somebody like malcolm around all the time he seems like just a fun loving guy that's not ever not smiling yeah he is he's actually you know fun to be around happy to be at the races he did it on his own so he appreciates it for sure and yeah he's actually been up here staying at our uh at our shop really in his motorhome so he's putting the effort out going riding with the guys and working out the gym and yeah he's real fun to be around yeah it seems like a good fit because uh, your team jgr seems like yeah i'm going to use the term laid back i don't know if that's the proper term but a little more less stressful. Um, we had Justin Hill on a few months ago, and he mentioned that. Um, was that something that you as had a kind of had a, a template for going into? Because you know you came from the '90s where things were a little more laid back. Did did you kind of use that as a template? Say, hey, we're not going to be quite so stressed out here with JGR. We're going to do things a little differently. Um, not really on on purpose. Um, you know, I tried to you know, look at things that worked for me in the past, like how I liked the environment that I worked in. Um, you know, one of the best bosses I had was Bruce Sternstrom at Kawasaki, and he's real laid back. You know, he's serious, but laid back and 
don't know, I just kind of more try to do it his style. I feel like it worked for our team. That's when the Kawasaki team at the time was, I thought, the most successful. Everyone didn't fear for their jobs. They <laughs> yeah. got along. We had a good time. You know, you, you work hard. It's not like you're, you can, you can be that way and still get your job done and respect people. And, you know, a lot of, some other people came in that started turning into, uh, in, you know, all the team guys fighting and trying to climb the ladder and it just doesn't work that way. So yeah, yeah, just tried to try to do it in the way that I thought work in the past. And, you know, Coy and Joe and JD are really a good family to work for and they don't really, you know, but they, you know, they want better results than we're getting, but sure. they're not like all over me every day to get me stressed out. And so, you know, I was more stressed out before, but with Suzuki, they've been really good too. They, you know, we're all talking all the time and having a good future and a good plan and, you know, just building as we go here and working together and not really, no one's blaming each other. I guess that's what makes it a little easier to run it how we're running it. Yeah, you you said a little bit ago, um, you know, not being fearful of your job. You know, Mark and I, we, we have regular jobs. Obviously, we're not um, in the industry. And, but, you know, anytime you have a, you're at a workplace where there's that constant fear of, oh, if I do this, I'm going to lose my job, it, it, it does create stress, and it's very hard to perform. And these pro riders already have that, hey, if I don't perform most of the time in a series, I'm probably going to get let go. So anything that you can cushion that a little bit probably makes them much more relaxed. Motocross, Supercross should be fun to begin with. And I think your team creates that environment. Yeah. And I mean, in the end, you know, all of us have to perform to a certain level to stay on the team. And I can promise everyone just because they're cool can stay on the team. (laughs) But in the end, if you have a guy that's a jerk and a guy that's cool and they're close in results, you're going to pick the guy that's cool. Yep. So, right. You know, you 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 know, it's still is it's, you have to get results to stay the way any professional sport is. Yeah, hey, I mean, if I, even a mechanic, if our bike broke every time, you're not going to be on the team long. Exactly. So you, do, you know, you do your job the best you can. As long as you do your job the best you can, you know, most likely you're gonna you're gonna have a job. And with a rider, you know, they need to do what they're capable of, work with the team well. It doesn't promise you a job, but it definitely up and down years results. Hey, J-Bone, we're losing you, bud. Yeah, Are you, How's uh, this now? You good now? Yeah, yeah, good now. Good now. Sorry, okay. bud. Well, no, I was no gonna, I was going to throw in on that. Like, you want to you, – the, the, the object is of to, is racing is to show up and put yourself – give yourself the best chance to win. And I feel like an environment like yours really would cater more to that because you don't have so much people arguing about, well, this is how we're going to run the bike or this is how you're just going to do it this way because you work for us or, or, or you know, or basically like having somebody put – making somebody think, well, if they don't perform, they're going to get fired as, as, as it is in a lot of places in the world. Uh, I just – I never yeah. understood why anybody would, would, would willingly let that environment – uh, take over, you know, that type of thing, take over their environment. And uh, it's a breath of fresh air to see you guys aren't doing that. Justin Hill couldn't say enough good things about it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, he's been really good to work with our whole team this year actually gets along really well. They all ride together, train together. I mean, again, that's, you know, Bogle's been trying to come up more. Um, yeah, everyone just, 
hanging out together. They go top golf together. They eat dinner together. Not every day, but they are all friends. And yeah, it's cool. I think they all help each other, push each other. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying every single guy that we have, cause we have a few fill-ins and all kinds of weird stuff going on that every guy is going to be on the team next year. But right. you know, as of right now, I'm happy they all get along. They all have a shot. It just depends on where it all plays out at the end here, but definitely like them all. And, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see how the outdoors go. So you, uh, you mentioned the switch to Suzuki, um, you know, coming in there, there, a lot of people say that the Suzuki doesn't have the power of the other bikes. There's a lot of negativity in the press about the bikes. Um, when Justin was getting some bad results, a lot of people wrote might be the bike. He took full responsibility on our show for making some bad choices. Mm -hmm. What do you see out of the Suzuki and out of um, Suzuki Japan as far as what they're trying to do to improve the the brand? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely great to see for us, like Suzuki, wanting to be be back on top, and they're putting a lot into us and a lot of trust in our team to help. And uh, they're definitely involved a, a lot. And uh, we did the intro at our shop, which was really cool for the new bike. They were excited to have a new bike coming out. I mean, you know, it's like anything new. It takes a little bit right. to get people to uh, get a feel for it. But, you know, that new BFRC shock was new, so that kind of threw some people off. But that thing's working. I mean, we're racing with it now with Malcolm and Weston, and we're going to race it outdoor as well. The only one that hasn't got to try yet is Bogle. Um and 250 guys, it's not available yet for them. But, you know, it's working good enough that that could be the direction even the, on the 250 at some point. So, you know, a lot of lot of things. That was kind of like the, one of the biggest things I think that people had a hard time with. But it was just, I think it was new. A lot of people didn't know how to set it up. So that, that took some time. Um, you know, and even when we first started riding them, it, like, fit Pike really well. He liked it actually way better than the 17. Mm-hmm. But then a guy like Bogle, actually, it took him a while to get used to it because he really was comfortable on the 17. And for whatever reason, we had a harder time getting him to adjust to the new bike. So all bikes have guys that there's something that they feel or don't feel. The standard suspension isn't set for everyone. Right. So you got to set it up for you. So, you know, the newer bike seems like it did sit up a little taller. Not everyone likes that. Pike loved it. And a lot of other guys loved it. When then when... Hill jumped on it. He loved it right away. Like we've actually uh, went back and Johnny worked on some suspension to actually make the 250 feel more like the 450 now after he rode it. So there were some things he learned even from riding the 450. So, you know, even though not everyone seems to say great stuff about it, Hill thought it was awesome and, and Weston. But it's, again, it's the rider preference. You got to know how you'd want to set it up absolutely well all those bikes are good out of the box it's just a matter at this point where we're at where we're at in technology and where we're at with the manufacturers like they're all good man it just depends on if you're splitting hairs when you start talking about well this one does this a little bit better and this does this a little better right i mean they're all really good bikes out of the box still there no j-bone Okay. Hello. I think we've lost you there, bud. We'll call him back. Yeah, we'll call call Jeremy Albrecht back. 
But uh, no, yeah, I, I mean Suzuki makes a great product. I don't. Right. Of course, I'm a little biased, but hey. Hello. Hey, there, I, think, I guess we lost you. Yeah, that was weird. So, anyway, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. I don't know if it may be us. I think what, what, what I don't remember where we were when that happened. I, what I was basically saying is that all these bikes are so good out of the box. Like one's going to fit somebody's preference a little different than others, but they can all be made to be whatever they need to be, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, really, every I think every bike is good nowadays. You know, the magazines, their jobs are to pick everything apart. But a Suzuki, they've always handled really well. They turn really well. Um. You know, we've definitely felt like there's we're not giving up anything on the track as far as our team. We got the motors really well, and I don't feel like we have anything negative. Um, so we're 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 happy where we're at. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're excited that Japan's behind it, and you know, I think they're going to keep pushing and making new stuff, and you know, hopefully we can get them the results that they they want. That's really in the end what people want to see is that the bike wins. So hopefully we can do that for them and prove to everybody that the Suzuki can be on top. Well, Suzuki, gonna, here's you know, the... like anything, it takes time and work. Right. Right. Well, what I was going to throw in on that is that people have given Suzuki a lot of crap for, for not really changing things much over the years, but they, they're forgetting how much that, that, that people have won on that RMZ 450. It's won a lot of races, a lot of titles, you know, outdoor motocross being very specific on that, a supercross title with Dungey. I mean, the bike was good. I ride one of those from those year models. I love, I'm a huge Suzuki guy. I love them. And, uh, and I can remember at Dallas standing there after the press conference talking to Bud Man after Dakotas got on the podium. And that was, you know, a week or so after Hill had won. And we were chatting. I looked at him. I was like, I bet, I mean, I guess everybody can shut up about that 250F now. And he was like, <laughs> hell yes, you know, just yeah. like everybody. I don't understand why everybody thought it was going to be not competitive. I mean, it's for, number one, it's JGR. You're very well known for making a bike go fast. Number two, it's a, it was a good bike to begin with, you know. Yeah, and, you know, really, you know, as far as Suzuki with the 250, you know, they it did take a little bit to get back going because they stopped for a little bit. But, you know, really, it, with the economy, everyone kind of slowed down on a lot of different things, and you had to pick what you were going to put your money toward. And I think, you know, with Suzuki, the, the bike was actually pretty good, and, and it takes a lot of time to make one better. And yeah. I honestly think I didn't want to put anything out till it was better. I mean, even when I was with Kawasaki, same thing. There was years that it was supposed to be a new bike, and they they scrap it till it's good. They right. don't want to put something out that's not better than the the current one. And a lot of times they'll be close, and they just have to start over. So I, you know, I I feel like shoot when Roxon was on the Suzuki, he made it look super awesome. We were right. all that was a bike to ride. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. And it, you know, it was the same. You know, it's not like everything stays exactly the same. You know, they, they do improve stuff. It changes a little bit, not not as much as we all want, but it was, you know, it's always been a great bike. I've always heard, even when we weren't Suzuki, how great the Suzukis are and how they handle and the solid chassis. And I mean, really for us, to be honest, it's it's been way more durable than we expected also. I've, I haven't had a lot of experience with Suzuki until recently. So in the past, it was always, you know, talk of Honda and Yamaha with the, durability but yeah, i yeah. feel like he's right there for us and that's that's not what i always thought on a personal level but that it's been great well, that's great hey so i want to uh talk about you're, you're one of the elite mechanics in the history of our sport so i've got a few little highlights here 
2004 Hall of Fame inductee, uh, eight-time Mechanic of the Year, four titles with Jeff Emig, seven championships with James Stewart. Do you have a specific moment, highlight, whether it be one race, one season, just anything that stands out to you as, you know, that maybe if you just took that one thing with you, that was the greatest moment? Yeah, I would say the first championship with Emig, just because it was so unexpected, um, was really cool. That was, a you know, back when McGrath was unbeatable. Right. And uh, he actually ended up having an injury on his foot, I think. And uh, we were battling for the championship. Emig was a good friend of mine. So, uh, you know, we all, we actually hung out with McGrath also. Yes. We were all friends, but friends but competitive friends so uh you know we knew when mcgrath hurt his foot it, it helped emig catch up in the points but then uh binghamton mcgrath won both races and worked emig over so at that point you're thinking man we really mcgrath's back we don't really have a shot but we went into the last race at steel city and emig had to beat them both motos for the first moto he actually barely beat them right and we're like, that's cool, but now you got to do it again. Which <laughs> yeah, yeah. Normally, that's not how our races were going. Like, you have to, like, go into it going, man, this is going to be tough because McGrath was really tough. So he had to win both, and Emig did. And McGrath actually passed him the second moto, and Emig passed him right back with, like, like the next straightaway, which is usually not the case either. Usually, McGrath <laughs> passed you, it was over. Yes. So it, it was, you know, he fought for it really, really good and wanted it really bad, and you know, that was a really fun one because it wasn't what, you know, going into that weekend, you're just, you know, you're hoping that McGrath has like a a bad start or a bad weekend. Right, yeah. You never wish something really bad, obviously, but you're hoping, man, I hope his bike stalls or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. of course, you know, Emmett came out first and McGrath was second, like every time. It wasn't like even a bad start. <laughs> so it was it was tough. So it was cool to fight for it and. Yeah, unexpected, and you know that was the first championship for me, also. And I would say even the year before, I I didn't even know if I would ever win a championship as a mechanic at that point. It's right. Like, uh, you know, it all happened pretty fast for me because uh, that was the first year I actually worked on a factory team. I actually worked on North County Yamaha for a long time, and then a bunch of uh, I worked for Nolene, like a bunch of Yamaha teams, but never like like I filled in at factory Yamaha for Kevin Windham for five races, but that's really all that I did on a factory team until this, that job. So, so you made a big definitely jump. Helped. Yeah. Big jump. Yeah. Obviously that team helped me a lot. They were all really good, you know, taught me a lot. So, and I stayed, they were, it was a really good place to work, honestly. And, um, you know, they, it definitely helped me be where I am today. Even like I was saying, like even my boss, Bruce from there is who I try to try to run our team. Like, so yeah, learned a lot there. Right on. So, hey, my last question is uh, outdoors is just, you know, right around the corner. Um, how do you feel about your team right now? I mean, is is the team set for sure? Um, we're close. Okay. Really close. Um, obviously, Pike will be on the 450. Bogle will be back. We're just trying to figure out when he'll be back. He, uh you know, just went to the doctor. So he's hopefully starting to ride, I don't know, like a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So we don't know the exact return for him yet. So trying to figure out what we're going to do there, if we're going to fill in for him or if he's going to, you know, what race is coming back basically is what I was trying to figure out, but it's not all final yet. Right. Um, Peters was going to ride outdoor for Jimmy D till he comes back, but Peters got hurt. So he's going to race Vegas and then get his knee fixed. Um, so he won't be racing outdoors. So it'll be Hill on the 250. And then today we announced that we're going to let Enzo Lopes. He was an amateur racer that's moving up to pro. So we're going to give him a shot until Jimmy D comes back. So, so with the guy, um, he flew here on Sunday and he's been riding the last couple of days on our bike. Yeah. And he, he's the, the, we've heard some things about him and he seems like a really good kid and with a lot of promise. Yeah. He's a hard worker and you know, there's, you know, there's always lots of people that, you know, why you pick him, sure. why, why do you not pick this guy? You know, it's hard. You're only picking a, you know, you have a, a, a whole bunch of talent. And even, you know, when we pick our team, you know, it sounds easy. I'll just pick, you know, back in the day, why don't you just pick Dungey and, and Roxon or Dungey and Tomac or whatever. Right. It's not that simple. No, no. <laughs> There's way more to it than what everybody thinks. Well, but, and a lot of the, too, the coming out of the amateur, some of those kids already have deals and have had them for a couple yeah, of years. No, there's way, yeah, there's a lot of lot of things that go into play with this. And we did talk about uh, Enzo being on our team this year anyway. Um, it was just tough because I was only doing two guys outdoor and I was having, you know, a guy on each coast two guys on each coach. So that was four guys already going to go down to two. So and I didn't really have a spot where the amateur kid was fit, but I liked the idea. So um, I was already thinking about him for next year anyway. So this is a good way to try him out, give him a shot, see how he does, and then see where it goes. Um, you know, I, I know what a lot of other guys that are on the list would do, and this is one that we don't know. So it's kind of exciting to see what he can do and give the kid a chance. And yeah, he was signed up to race uh, Hangtown anyway. He was already going to turn pro and try to do it on his own. And I was, you know, we were going to watch him, but yeah, it's cool to uh, to give him a shot and see what he can do on our bike. Heck yeah, absolutely. Well, we're looking for big things from Enzo Lopes. I'm sure, uh, you know, jumping up to the pros is always a big step. But uh, he's a fast kid. I'm sure he'll adapt well. And he's got a damn good team behind him and a good team manager as well. But uh, we know you're a busy guy, Jay Bones. We won't take any more of your time, but we really, really enjoy talking to you, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thanks for the call. Hey, thanks, Jeremy. Anytime, Appreciate Jeremy. It. Have a good one, bud. Yeah, talk to you later. All right. Say bye. Jeremy J. Bone Albrecht. I didn't drop no Fresno smooth one-liners. No. I was going, believe uh, me, yeah. it was really hard for me not to. Really hard for me not to. Everybody knows I'm a 90. If you don't know me, I'm a 90s moto fanatic. That movie falls in that time period. It was really hard for me not to say something about, you know, a fat, you know, have start every morning with a fat bowl or any of that <laughs> stuff. But, hey, yeah. I refrained from it. I didn't right. say nothing, at least not while he was on the phone. So, guys, Quick commercial break, and we'll be back with what, what's you, hey, what you I was going to announce. Let's try, I was trying to get your attention before you did that. Oh, go ahead. I was going to announce one of our contests real quick. Get right. as well before we go to this break. Um, so you guys know Mad Jack Synthetics is one of our new sponsors. They are a uh, independent dealer of Amsoil Synthetic Oil, and we've got a little giveaway. We're going to do one of these a month. So what we've got is um, a quart of oil, chain lube, can of chain lube and some other goodies that we'll be throwing in but i've got a uh a trivia question 
that I'm going to ask, and the first person to answer on, what do you want to do, Twitter or Instagram? Pick I would one. say just do, uh, I don't care. Twitter's fine. Okay. so the first, You'll have to monitor it. Yeah, the first person to answer this question on Twitter, uh, on the Moto X Pod Show Twitter page. It has to be Twitter, guys. Yeah, and you guys have to have a bike, so um, got to make sure you ride. But here's the question. So, <laughs> i got to find it. Yeah, and let us know what kind of bike you ride with the question, yep. too. All right, so... 1993 opening round of Supercross was Orlando. Round one. Who won the 250 class and who won the 125 class? Ooh, I already know the answer. I'm sure you know because you're a, you're like the history yeah. buff. But I want to know the answer to that. So the first person that I see an answer for on the Moto X Pod trivia question wins the Amsoil kit. So, uh, yeah, hit that up, and we will announce the winner next week. You guys might have to go to YouTube to figure that out. But <laughs> I already know the answer. I wait. I anxiously await your reply right. so anyways guys commercial break and be back hey kylie does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts no way kathy he uses shock socks the original and number one 10 second removable fork sill protector looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork seals so if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork seals Get Shock Socks. Go to shocksocks.com and visit them on Facebook to pick your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you need an amazing deal on a residential or commercial roofing job, or if you just need a new fence, a custom patio, a pergola, or even a new metal building, Five Star Roofing of Texas is who you need to call. Chad Mayo and his crew will knock it out of the park for you just as easily as JS7 blitzes a set of whoops. He even offers a moto discount and is a proud sponsor of our friend, John Short. Chad is a true moto head and does incredible work, so give Five Star Roofing of Texas a call at 214-402-8565 or check them out at www.5starroofingoftexas.com or on Instagram at 5 Texas. And that's the word five, F-I-V-E. So check them out. Call Chad Mayo and get a great deal. Tell them Moto X-Pod sent you. Darkside here. Are you guys in the market for a set of new custom graphics? Are you tired of the same old basic layouts the big box companies offer? Well, if so, then you need to check out MX Girl Designs. From custom graphic kits, stickers, reproductions, and even vintage, MX Girl does it all. Call or text Char at 936 828 1472 or email char char at mxgirl.com and that's mxgirl g u r l and tell her moto x pod sent you you got the one snowman i'm eastbound and down hey guys muscle mark here i want to introduce you to my friends over at york welling and fab from new construction truck beds barbecue grills and anything else you can come up with york welling and fab has you covered with deep motocross roots and 20 plus years experience, York Welding and Fab is a brand you can put your trust in. Call Carl at 903-780-7369. That's 903-780-7369 and tell him Moto X Pod sent you. 
All right, guys, welcome back again. Big shout out, Matt Jack Synthetic, dealers of Amsoil Products, All Sport Dynamics, MX Girl Design, Shock Socks, and Five Star Roofing of Texas. Coming up next, he is the voice of Supercross, the man that has probably called more motorsports events in one year than most most broadcasters do in a career. Uh, one of our favorite guys, Fox Sports analyst, even if he is a 49ers fan, you know yeah. you love him. The one and only Ralph Shaheen. Ralph, what up, dude? <laughs> hey guys, thank you. I think I'm only supposed to talk to one of you, right? Because if I'm not mistaken, somebody cheers for the terrible Cowboys. Isn't that the Man, case? The yeah. enemy. Yeah. <laughs> we are we are in Texas. Well, so. I tell you what, there's one thing we have in common uh with these two teams that we've all been frustrated as hell the last few years. That'll happen. That'll happen. But true fans. Our true fans through thick and thin, right? Yeah, and I'll tell you this. i got to throw this out there. I'm not a complete 49er hater. If you were a Packers fan, I'd probably shut up. But you're a 49ers <laughs> fan. That's cool. That was like my second team growing up. The Bill Walsh era 49ers with Montana, Roger Craig, Ronnie Lott. I loved them. Absolutely loved them. Uh, yeah, that was an unbelievable organization. And, and I think, you know, you have to uh, respect the, the great on both sides of that, right? It's no different than saying, uh, as a Niner fan, I certainly respect Emmett Smith and Roger Staubach and those guys. You know, they're, they're tremendous athletes and great teams and organization. If there's at those times, you just don't like them when you're playing each other. <laughs> I hated uh, I them. I understand. <laughs> it was so difficult living in East Texas in, you know, 92, 93. It was, it was miserable. Mm-hmm. You there? You still there, Ralph? You still there, Ralph? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good so, hey, here. Before we get into Moto, I got to add one more. So, you've been a Niners fan for how long? Oh, gosh, since I was a kid. I mean, I grew up in Northern California. Okay. In Sacramento. So, uh, yeah, you know, Niners fan my whole life. And then, of course, you know, I live in Charlotte now. Um, so, we cheer for the Panthers as well. In fact, when the Panthers first came here, they were in the NFC West. So we actually ended up getting season tickets because it guaranteed me the fact I get to see the Niners at least once a year back then. Right, so, right. Uh, as, my, as my kids have grown up, uh, they've grown up Niner fans and Panther fans at the same time. Because, gosh, I've lived here in Charlotte now over 20 years. So it's kind of hard not to cheer for the local team. But you never, uh, never lose touch with your roots either. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say, my mom was from Red Bluff. Um so in 1980, I was 10 years old. She worked at a Bank of America with a lady named Trish Stover, whose brother was Jeff, oh, sure. Jeff Stover. Yeah. That's yeah. how I became a fan. He sent me an autographed picture for Christmas. I didn't really follow football, but I started watching for him. And then, of course, you know, later I discovered Jerry Rice, and that, that was it. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, and Jerry's that one player that no matter who you cheer for, you, you have to uh, say – He's just phenomenal. You know, I had an opportunity once covering a NASCAR race when we were doing them for Turner uh, TNT back in the day, and uh, Gary was the Grand Marshal, and uh, it was fantastic to work with Gary and have a chance to hang out with him and show him around the garage area and introduce him to the fans and all that uh, and, and spend quite a bit of time with him. And uh, it was really cool. I bet it was. I I don't know that that would have been a very difficult. Like I would have been a fanboy for I sure. I think everybody loves Jerry Rice, no matter who what team you root for. If you bring up Jerry Rice, I'm like, oh yeah, Jerry's awesome. We yeah. love Jerry. 
Yeah, yeah, and 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 he lived up to exactly what you would have expected out of him. Uh, he was so gracious and so cool with everybody, and really into it, and, and was uh, really excited to see how those athletes approached their race day, just like he would have approached his game day. It was really really <laughs> yeah, neat yeah. to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. I used to hear uh, rumors that to, to get good at catching the ball, his dad threw him bricks yep. and things like that. I mean, that story. Dad never... was a bricklayer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I've heard. I was hearing that story when I was ten years old, yeah. and I'm almost forty now. So it. Uh... But yeah, great guy. Shifting gears a little bit, we're gonna get back to uh, the sport of Supercross. And uh, man, what what an eventful uh, weekend, an eventful finish to the 450 main, Ralph. Uh, what, what's your take on all that? Well. You know, to me, it was good, hard racing. Yep. Um, was it aggressive? Sure. Sure was aggressive. It was for the win of a 450 main in a Monster Energy Supercross. It should be aggressive. Um, did Eli have a right to be mad about it? Of course he did. Did uh, I would have been mad, too. But you know what? I've seen Eli ride aggressive as well. I've seen every single one of those guys in that category ride super aggressive at one point in time or another. Sometimes it's for a win. Sometimes it's for a heat race victory. Sometimes it's for a transfer spot just to get into the main. Uh, we had numerous occasions over the course of the day where we saw guys just going for it like that, stuffing each other, yeah. uh, whether it was for a transfer spot or a heat race win. And nobody got them sideways out of any of those moments. But when it came for the win in the 450 main, everybody went ballistic. Well, why would you not be upset over something like that for the transfer spot out of a heat race, but you'll be crazy furious over a guy going for the win in a 450 main? You know, to me, the win in the 450 is way more important, so you should be hanging everything out of the line for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I want to see out of all of this is consistency in the ruling. Yes. So I just wrote about this in, a, in my column in our speech board magazine coming out in, in May. And I said, you know, as a fan, it's, it's no different. Like we were talking about the NFL. It's no different than the NFL's ruling on what is a catch. We all just want to know what the rule really is so that we can then judge accordingly, is that really a catch or not? So let's decide what too aggressive really is. For example here, we had Zach Osborne get into Savachi last year at Vegas. That was for the 250 championship in the East. And he got fined eight grand for that. Mm-hmm. Here, here, we have... Marvin getting into Eli, and it's a lesser fine, and it was for a 450 main event victory, which I'm guessing means less than a championship. Right. And earlier in the day, earlier in the day, we had guys getting into each other and taking each other out for the last spot of a transfer into a main event, which is even less important than the other two, and nobody got fined. Right. So how do we decide which one is which one when it comes to, you know, consistency? 
Yeah, that's that's been a big topic of discussion over the last couple of years, and it, it's have... unfortunate that it puts a, a lot of people get really upset with the AMA and I guess Gallagher because it has been so inconsistent. And I don't know how you change that. I mean, it takes a lot of, I'm sure it's a lot of politics to get that done, but it, it looks poorly on our sport because in other sports, I think they're, they have a more structured rule book that seems, it's a little more black and white, I would assume, than what we seem to have. Well, sadly, I don't know if I agree with that <laughs> because like we just, we just talked well, about yeah, the NFL the catch. And, yeah. and their craziness trying to figure out what a catch is. That's true. You know, I've seen the, I've seen the same thing in other forms of motorsport too. Um, but we are all very close to supercross, obviously. Uh, so that's the one that's most important to all of us. I just, I just wish that the powers that be, whether it's the sanctioning body people, uh, the promoters, the, the ruling body, the FIM, the AMA, get them all together. Just like the, the NFL is supposedly doing this offseason, trying to figure out what a catch is going to be going forward. <laughs> well, let's do the same thing here so that when we get to Anaheim in 2019, we don't know what the rule book is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. When it comes to that, at least. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, I mean, it would surely, it would surely cut down on tons of frustration, tons of – stress tons of you know uh, of of uh i don't know what else to even say there it just would make more sense and i wish it would would get you know it's all you could say even if you're going to rule a way that's not favorable to the vast majority at least consistently rule that way right you know that's the thing it's the consistency look yeah. we're all we're, nobody's ever gonna you're never gonna get everybody to completely agree because inevitably it's going to be your favorite rider that got taken out so you're never going to see it Right. The way everybody else does, right? Mm-hmm. Just like, hey, that should have been a catch because that was my team that lost the touchdown because it was ruled not a catch. Daz caught it. No, he didn't. Yes, he if, did. Right, exactly. <laughs> if, if you at least have, if you at least have some consistency, then it's gonna it's gonna minimize the amount of time that we have this situation like that because inevitably the rider's gonna know. Well, I can get away with this, but I can't get away with that. So. I'm going to risk accordingly. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and I think the, the the public outcry against this particular pass, I unfortunately feel like it's got a lot to do with um, Marvin's nationality. I, I just I, – I think if the roles had been reversed, I don't think people would have booed and been as irate. They and, would If Marvin would have been the one that got taken down and he would have been upset about it, they would have been saying, shut up, Frenchie. And they would have. A, a good bit of the fan base would have. We've seen it time and time again, and now they're mad because it was their boy that got taken down, Tomac. I personally am going to root for Tomac before that, but I was fine with the pass. It's for the win, you know? Well, I would hate to think that that's the case. And that's sad if it is for those people that look upon that incident that way. Yep. Um, Marvin is a good guy. Yes, he is. He is not known for being an overly aggressive racer. In fact, there have been times this very year where Roger DeCoster, the five-time world champion, has said he wishes Marvin would be more aggressive. So, uh, you know, I I think it's sad, again, like I said, if people are, are against you, uh, Marvin, for that reason. Um, and, you know, I, I certainly understand why Tomac fans would be frustrated that their guy lost the opportunity to get a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eli is certainly a great rider, and he's having an amazing uh, season when it comes to victories and could easily have won the last three and 
certainly might win the last two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, we've also seen Eli be super aggressive. Let's go back one year <laughs> to how Eli approached Ryan Dungey in the main event at Vegas, yep. uh, mm-hmm. try, trying to stall him out and hold him up and take him down and all that sort of stuff to win the championship. So, you know, this this is this has certainly gone both ways. Yeah. Absolutely. And people – well, go ahead, Jamie. I'm I was sorry. just going to say, the, you know, Eli's mad because it happened to him, but when he was dishing it out, he wasn't mad. And that seems to be pretty typical of a lot, well, a lot of humans in what general. What he was trying to put off that happened or what I've heard is that he was still mad about Marvin pulling over, and that's why he was trying to ride with Dun- – He he's basically saying that's the only way he had of trying to win that championship from Ryan. Well, I mean – you could go look at it the sure. same way. Marvin wasn't going to get around you unless he parked you for the win. So he parked right. you, and guess what? He won. Yeah. You know, I feel like. So, you know, go ahead, Ralph. Here's the way. Here's the way I look at it. I work with two of the sports greatest ever, and uh, Jeff Emick and Ricky Carmichael, mm-hmm. and I tend to develop my own opinion, and then I kind of look at those two to kind of talk me in or out of whatever I'm thinking. Sure, and. I looked at it and I thought, okay, it's super aggressive, but hey, it's for the 450 win. And I asked those two, "Would you, you know, how do you guys feel about it?" And the two of them were like, "Dude, I have no problem with that. Yeah. You know, that's for a 450 win. You're talking about a hundred to 150 thousand dollar bonus to the rider for getting the victory. The 450 wins don't come easy. You never know if that's the last one you're going to get. You got to go for it completely. So if Ricky Carmichael's okay with it." I'm okay with it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm with you on that. It's not yeah. like I guarantee you any one of everybody that's mad would, would would be shocked to hear if they asked Ricky, well, that's BS. What do you think about it? He'd be like, yep, that's fine. I would have done the same thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, look, here's a guy who's won, what, 16 championships. Mm-hmm. So I think, he's, I think he's seen it all and can be a pretty good judge as to what we all should accept or not accept to be okay in the rule book. And if he's willing to accept it, then I'll go along with that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm yeah. on the same page with you on yeah, that I agree. Um, so I've got a, a couple of listener questions here, but I'm just going to ask one. Um, so on Twitter, CMS Artworks asks, because you're an NFL fan too, what do you think about the NFL helmets that have been uh, popping up this year for a couple of teams? I think uh, Osby had a Patriots helmet on. Henry Miller's had a Vikings helmet, painted helmet on. What yeah, do you think about that? Paint schemes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. I always think it's cool when the riders, you know, do different things to tie themselves in with maybe something that's important to them as an individual, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, another sports team or it could be something to do with music or uh, a charity type deal or you know, whatever the case might be. Um, I always think that that's really cool and look forward to to things like that, uh, it, it shows a personal side yeah. of the athlete that you know we don't always get to see. So yeah, I'll take that anytime. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, so I guess my last question is: I'm changing subjects again, but you and I have similar taste in music. Um, what's the best concert you've ever seen? You know, I've been asked that a couple of times, and. I have two different ways of looking at it. Okay. Now you can you can look at it and you can say, okay, what's the best concert musically you've ever seen where, you know, maybe the artist uh, is just exceptional when it comes to playing their instrument or, or as a singer or whatever the case might be. And when it comes to that, 
I would tell you uh, probably Billy Joel and Elton John together when they did that face-to-face tour where they they played their catalog and then played their own the other guy's music as well. I mean, when it comes to pure musical talent, those two guys are geniuses, and to see them on the stage together was amazing. I can see but that. It, yeah, but now if you want to talk about um, sound, the best sound I ever heard was Pink Floyd, and yes, uh, on their, what was it, 90210 or whatever that zip code tour they had, <laughs> um, that that was, you know, audio-wise, it was just unbelievable, the experience of, of the sound from those two bands. Uh, and then, if you want to talk about uh, the pure concert thrill of the show, from pure beginning to end of just entertainment yeah pick any kiss concert just pick any kiss concert i've ever been to and that's the best one well that it's funny because <laughs> those that, guys I, those guys put on such an unbelievable show it is just mind-blowing and it is just you know two to three hours of pure pyrotechnics yeah. and screaming guitars and yeah man i just it's escapism for me that's awesome now i'm gonna add, add one to that what's the loudest show you've ever been to yes uh, that's easy. That's Motorhead. Oh, okay. I, was, ah, I set him up for yeah. that. I knew he was going to say, but yeah, yeah I listened to I, your I, uh, sound I check. Saw Motorhead. I saw Motorhead a handful of times and, uh, they were just, you know, Lemmy was just fantastic. Well, my answer was very similar to yours as far as best, because I'm not a huge kiss fan, but that was the best show. Not the 97, uh, back in makeup reunion tour show was the best show I've ever seen. Yeah. That was just yeah. un- unreal. I mean, look, I, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of other shows yeah. that I would tell you were just incredible for various reasons. Like, you know, the Rolling Stones are fantastic. The Who was incredible. I saw Paul McCartney was amazing. Uh, the Eagles are phenomenal. Yeah. Judas Priest is unbelievable. But if you wanted to, if you just said to me, hey, you get one ticket for one last go around, what do you want to see? I know for the money. I'm gonna get an unbelievable show with Kiss. Yeah, you know, they're gonna blow up. It's like it's like <laughs> the best way I can explain it. It's like going to a uh, like one of these big Marvel summertime movies. You know, you're just on the edge of your seat. You know, pure adrenaline rush for two hours, and, and I just love that. I agree. Awesome, yeah, awesome. yeah, that was pretty pretty great. I I actually got to see the Eagles right before Glenn, a few months before Glenn died, and that was probably musically the best concert I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah, I you know I saw them uh, a couple times, including the Hell Freezes Over tour, which had everybody back in the band. Yep. And you know, again, that's one of those those nights where you just go. It's, it was an epic concert. The music was amazing. The the artists and each one of those instruments is fantastic. Uh, but then again, I saw them just a couple of weeks ago with uh, Vince Gill and the band and Glenn Fry's son, and they were still tremendous. So. You know, I, I enjoy all of that. 
Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. I listened to your uh, sound check you did with Steve Matthews, oh, so yeah. I set you up for the Motorhead question. I knew what you were going to say. <laughs> but uh, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a huge, huge Motorhead fan, and more importantly, a Lemmy, you know, moreover, just a Lemmy fan as well. I, unfortunately, I never got to see them live before Lemmy passed, but the music lives on and it never dies, so I, I continue, I can watch watch and listen and download everything they got and, and get and get enjoyment out of it forever. Okay, so now you talked about helmets. Now, there's a helmet I'd like to see in the starting gate. I want to see somebody show up with Lemmy painted on their helmet. Yeah, That would be rad. That would that be would awesome. Be That's a pretty killer idea. We've got to find somebody that listens to something other than rap music that races, though. <laughs> it, uh, I don't think Dean Wilson's going to show up with a Motorhead-themed <laughs> helmet, you know? But uh, No. I mean, that might be something that like Daniel Blair would have done because he, you know, he's, yeah, for but, sure, Daniel, you know, but uh, yeah, Blair would have done it for sure. Yeah. Uh, his band, I, I don't know if you've ever, have you heard his stuff that he with his brother? Oh yeah, man, they're good. That new EP, oh, yeah. the new EP they just put out rips. Yeah, he's pretty pumped about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's good people. Yeah, I don't know that there's he's, anything Daniel Blair can't do. Yeah, he kind of makes me mad. I've texted him about that. It's not really fair. He's so good on the floor announcing. He's so good doing his podcast. He was a great racer. He's an incredible singer. It's like, that's not really fair that he has all that. Yeah, like, Daniel, I mean, come on. Pass some of that talent over, you know? Right, and, he, and he's a good guy. Yes. Which is great, too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Ralph, we know you're a busy guy. We won't take any more of your time, but we really, really enjoyed having you on tonight, man. Thank you so much. Guys, anytime, whether you want to talk racing, music, whatever, sports, I'm all about it. Yep. I appreciate you guys uh, – you know, giving all the support this year, and we really look forward to these last couple of races. And uh, call me, yeah, call me anytime, man. Love to get back on with it. Absolutely, awesome. we'll, we didn't even get to talk about Word of Outlaws. Oh heck, we can do that. <laughs> Let's jump you know, in on something. Other, look, we can talk any other form of racing you want to get into. That you know, that's one of the things is that people ask me. They say, you know, what what's your favorite thing to call? And I say, well, you know, it's really wherever i'm going next week right. I, always, I have i've done so many different things i've got friends in all these different forms of motorsports i'm always looking forward to seeing who's ever around you know but i tell people all the time too that if i had to do just one series uh it would be supercross hands down because the racing weekend and week out is the best you'll find anywhere and i have more fun on a Saturday night, the big stadium and the lights go on, and the director says, "You know, three, two, one, we're live, man." It's like doing your own concert. You know, the adrenaline is so high; it's just raging, and you just can't wait for that first gate drop. Yeah, I agree. I can, I can totally imagine that. It's awesome, dude. I really, I, I love hearing that, man. Sometimes for uh for a lot of people that that will call an, a motorsports event, it's just it's the next thing they're at, you know, but. I really yeah. genuinely feel like with, with you guys and, of course, with Fro and, and, and um, you know, all the other guys and Ricky and, you know, both being past champions, you get more of a purist, you know, form of it. So that's awesome, Ralph. Thanks again, man. No problem, bud. I appreciate you guys having me on. Looking forward to doing it again. Let's all do right. it again soon. See Thanks, you later. Ralph. Okay. See right, you. We'll the one and only Ralph Shaheen. There's, there's literally – 
so many, uh, uh, several, several hours of content we could sit here and do with Ralph. I and have it w- so many more questions. Oh, just- uh, I'm sure. Like, I wish we had had an hour with him. Let's set that up like we did with Budman, right. where we have time to go over that stuff and we could talk music, we could talk football, we could talk World of Outlaws. I don't have a lot to offer the sprint car racing thing past Steve Kinzer area <laughs> era. I mean, because that's really, that's when I stopped watching it, though. You know, Maybe so stop. He still races. Well, I know he does, but I mean, like this is I'm talking about early '90s. This is that's how Kinzer was killing it back then dog you know yeah, oh yeah he was the man so, that's why he's the king yeah he's the dude so uh but i mean that's really the only thing i have to offer so but i'm down to start watching it more uh-huh. but anyways quick break guys and we'll be back with the one and only devin raper Guys, welcome back. We're going to get to our third guest, 450 Supercross Privateer, number 447, the one and only Devin Raper. Devin, what up, dude? What's up, guys? How are you doing? Doing good, man. So you uh, you said you were on a mountain bike ride. You you forgot about us, which is okay. Road bike ride. Ro- yeah, road bike ride. So uh, how far into your bike ride are you? Uh, I'm just only like 10 minutes in. I'm just doing like a cruise ride because I rode today, and... Uh, Spinning it out, but yeah, I got so many things going on. But I was planning on it. Yeah, no worries. Obviously. <laughs> well, let's. You texted me, or I texted you, I think last night, or maybe the night before, as a reminder, and you said you had something you wanted to talk about. So let's let's get into that. What is it? What's up? Oh, just when I met Jamie, uh, what was it out in? Uh, I forget which round, but St. Louis, probably like a month. St. Louis, yeah. Um, he, ta- he invited me on the show, and I was like, yeah, sounds good. Like, let's do it. I just haven't made a main event yet, and I was like, man, there's not good stuff to talk about because I've been struggling, but now that I've made the last two main events in a row, definitely got something to talk about now. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know if you uh, listened to Pulp last night, but Mathis actually mentioned that he, he had Adam Intignap on, and he said you were just kind of uh, like you were waiting to take that, that money from the uh, – quadruple crown and then mm-hmm. also as soon as you got the money you, you made the mains <laughs> i know he keeps joking with me about that i'm yeah. like dude i make this i made the same amount of money if i make the main so <laughs> that definitely wasn't that definitely wasn't the plan but it seems like it <laughs> well hey it's it's really what he has done for uh the privateers and continues to do is pretty amazing so i mean i, I was glad that you were one of the guys that were, were the guy that got that money that's really great yeah congrats on that homie <clears throat> Thanks, man. Yeah, at the time, I uh, was, you know, when I met you, Jamie, was driving um, to all the East Coast rounds from Dallas until Indy because they all were pretty much on the same, you know, all within like 12 hours of each other and all that. So I thought it'd be cheaper to, like, drive to those and, and the money I'd spent on flights to have a friend with me to help with mechanicing and stuff. And it was until... <laughs> You're paying for hotels for like four nights out of the week, yeah. you know, and and just yeah, it was just it was expensive. So when that happened, it was uh, perfect timing. Got some money to to split for these next few races and fly to some, and now we're uh, on a roll. So it feels feels good. 
Yeah, I mean, how how big of a relief is that to make the main like that? And then I'm sure it builds your confidence. And I mean, it, it just that usually that's like a, a, a train, you know, it's a freight train it starts rolling along and it just builds and builds and builds. Yeah, that's how it went for me when I made my first two main events in 2015. I made two in a row. And then uh, <clears throat> 16, I made two as well, but they weren't in a row. Just had some like stuff happen. But it was sweet to like do it the first main at the Triple Crown. So we went in to doing three main events and uh, I got that out of the LCQ. And and I've always had to like battle like just barely creeping in top to get that fourth place in the main. And it's always like a battle to the end. And uh, I mean, it was, but I, you know, finished third in the LCQ in Minnesota. And then this last one was a battle to the end, but it was in the heat race. And that was sweet to get top nine and, and not even have to do the LCQ and save some energy for that main and that track that we had to race on. <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. Right, right. Well, talk about – now, you, you, you're you a, a, a pure privateer, a, a real privateer. Tell us a little bit about your program, how you get into the races, how's your bike getting into the races, who's helping you, so on and so forth. Uh, Yeah, so it starts with uh, RJC Racing um, – it's a good friend of mine that I just met at the races in uh, 2014, the end of 2014, or no, the end of 2013, going into the 14 season. And uh, we we're on like finance bikes um, for 14 season. My bikes were actually broke, and we didn't even get to do the first six races. But uh, ended up putting my bike on the road and qualifying for all the night shows <clears throat> to finish up the season. And uh, it just started building from there. And then uh, 15 is when I made those first two main events. And the longtime uh, shop that I've been sponsored by, Kelly's Kawasaki in Mesa, Arizona, they're actually one of the biggest uh, Cowie, not biggest, but most selling Cowie dealerships in the country. And and uh, they got me on a demo program to get a couple bikes. And, you know, uh, Kawasaki has been uh, helping me out, which whatever they can when I need it, you know, broken parts and stuff. So that's really cool. And that really took a big load off of me and we were able to do the whole series and uh, yeah, sixteen and then seven sixteen starting to sixteen and yeah. then uh seventeen I actually got hurt and only got to do six rounds but do on a full season this year and uh it's been good and the way we get my bike to the race is uh D S D construction out of Riverside, California. Like I'm from AZ, but I live in Wildemore, California, like near Temecula. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's how I know Scott from GSC Construction, and he's a big title sponsor for uh, the CCJ uh, Ted Park rig that uh, <clears throat> carries a lot of the Spears bikes uh, around all the races and stuff. So a lot of pieces to the puzzle, but uh, definitely glad to have a dude to help me out because. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of people, a lot of us, we don't realize how difficult you know it is because it seems like oh, it's not that big of a deal to the outsiders looking in for these privateers. Yeah, just get somebody to throw your bike on a trailer and and drive up to the race and you get there. But it's it is a lot of work. And yeah, you know we had a, we had the chance to talk to like Alex Nagy at Dallas and Travis Del Nicky's become a friend of the show. And, and man, you guys are the true warriors of this sport. Yeah, man. Thanks. Appreciate that. It, it is a lot of work, and we just we just love to do it, and 
lot of passion and it's what I always wanted to do since I was a little kid. So, you know, I can't do it forever and I just want to make the most of it. And, uh, you know, I'm 28 years old now and obviously, you know, the window's, window's closing. So, got to take it, not never take it for granted and keep pushing, you know. Absolutely. Hey man, you keep living that dream. You keep doing it while you can because. Like you said, yeah. one one day that window's going to close and all you're going to, you know, at least you went and tried. A lot of guys don't have the guts you do to, to get out there and privateer it and, and and struggle and risk everything to do what you love and do what you dream of. I think it's great. Hell, yeah, it's awesome. You know, I keep getting better and faster and, and uh, you know, more, more and more support from all the – I know I mentioned only, you know, three or four of the big people that in my uh, corner, but – it's all the the parts and gear that I get from sponsors that make it happen as well. So I don't have to spend those hundreds here, hundreds there, you know. Yeah, yeah, they, absolutely. They all, they all make it possible. It's awesome. Well, you know, I was reading a little bit, and I, I see, like, your dad and your brother were pro desert racers. What what made you decide to ride motocross, supercross, instead of racing out in the desert? Well, I've always... They have pictures of me like in diapers watching Supercross. So I've always started off like as a big Micah drop. Well, my brother and my dad rode Cali. So I was okay. always stick to Cali guys. And uh, I started off with like watching Micah Dropsy in like 94 when I was like four years old. And, and then it transitioned into uh, Jeff Emig and, you know, Ricky Carmichael and all that. So just watching those guys. And I always thought like they were just like superheroes, you know. And I, uh, actually didn't start racing motocross until i was 13 they they actually built a motocross track that just started up uh probably like 15 minutes from my house and we started doing moto and i started winning those races and that was cool you know just doing the local stuff and then uh i moved into 125s and was still doing like works races and i think what like was a turning point for me is when we stopped at an Amherst. I raced the Seat Nevada for a works race, and then we stopped at World Mini in 2004. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, four, I was uh, 14, and I just seen like the competition, and I just <laughs> like the, I just like you know all the people around, yeah. and maybe some girls, and <laughs> <laughs> and I decided to go full bore for that, and and then we raced uh, Punk City and like. 2005. I never went to Loretta's or nothing, but I have some family. Like my my grandparents lived in Oklahoma, so we were able to make Punk City happen. Cause my dad, he's a works in the union. He's a crane operator and just has to work every day. You know. Yeah, that's that's really cool, though. I mean, it, yeah, just it was uh it was your calling, obviously. You know, I mean, I get that. Yeah, right. yeah, it was, it's mm-hmm. awesome, man. I, and I didn't think we'd be making it this far, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I got to keep going, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, oh, hey, man, you're still young, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, making a main event is freaking awesome. I mean, I don't, I, I could only fantasize about ever doing that. Listen, Help. there are guys that are really, really bad dudes on a dirt bike that can just do some unbelievable crap that cannot make the night show. So to yeah. say, for you to be a main event guy, whether you make two a year, whether you make 10 a year, dude, to me, you're my hero. Cause only get, you know, just like true, awesome, you know, really badasses make them. And, uh, I mean, props to you, man. Now question, I want to shift gears a little bit. 
have you made any, any have you put any thought into what's going to happen after racing like what do you maybe you want to do are you going to go operate cranes like dad or what you thinking bud yeah i could do that but man i do not, i am not a morning person i hate <laughs> <laughs> having to drive in traffic and clock in at 7 5 a.m that doesn't sound appealing to me but uh i could do that i my sponsor is a a big contractor in Arizona. Uh, maybe I could go, you know, be a project manager for him, um, work in the industry. But man, I, whatever I do, I want to make some money. You know, Absolutely. I feel like I, I feel like I could be making more money than I am now. So that's why it's like it drags on a little bit after all this like hard work that we put in racing. But I feel like it'll transition over pretty well to the work field. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, it seems like you're a smart guy and you've got, uh, obviously you've got drive and determination cause you're sticking with what you love doing. So yeah, yeah. It, it will definitely transition into a, a good work ethic in the real world, which unfortunately I have to go to every day. Yeah. I know about that. I'll tell you what, you, if, uh, since you're used to travel and it's not a big deal to you, dude, there's a, there's ample opportunity out there for guys that don't mind staying going to make a really, really good living. Yeah. Yeah. Even my friend, uh, one of my best friends growing up, he started his own real estate company. And, you know, like, I like that idea. Obviously, motocross is kind of like gambling. So yeah, yeah. Putting, your, putting your money in stuff and trying to get a better return. So, sure. I'm definitely, I'm definitely thinking about it and trying to transition into something. But, uh, yeah, it's coming, coming soon. <laughs> Well, hey, man, we, we look forward to, to, to help watching you finish it out. And, dude, you're still young. you got a couple more years. Yeah, left. Do, definitely. Don't, do, do, it, do it as long as you absolutely can. So Yeah, hopefully I could be like Brayton winning my first main, like, you know, hopefully earlier than 34. Hell, but yeah. That's, he's a uh, – that's definitely someone to look up to. You know? Oh, absolutely. Well, hey, we'll, we'll stamp that that it's going to happen and uh, look forward to seeing it. But we, we know you're uh, busy riding road bikes right now, so we'll let you get back to that. But thanks for coming on tonight, bud. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Absolutely, Devin. Thanks, man. And congrats on those two mains. And let's get a couple more. Absolutely. Yes, uh, sir. I'm working on it right now. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. See you later, Devin. All right. Later, guys. See ya. Devin Raper, ladies and gentlemen, I love uh, I love talking to the privateers, man. They they just like everything's cool, you know. Like they've got a good outlook on things. Everything's very realistic because they they they've seen they know what's up. You know what I mean? They know what's what it's like to actually have to you know. Not that the factory guys don't work, but what I'm saying is they they already know struggle. Yeah, you know. So when things go bad There's to them, a different reality. It's a different reality is what I was trying to say exactly. Yeah. So they. Uh, you know they're on point for whatever, and a lot of those guys go on and have very successful careers outside of the sport and the and the afterlife. And uh, that's the awesome. The afterlife. The afterlife is what I like to call it when dudes are done racing, because okay. I bet Fair they feel, I bet they feel like that too. A lot of them, you right, know, right. it's a totally different culture <laughs> and totally different uh, whatever yeah. you want to call it. But all right, quick quick break, guys, and we'll be back.
All right, guys, welcome back. We're going to get to our final guest of the evening. This man's one of the hardest working guys at the races. One of the many guys you see down on the floor making it happen when it rains. He's They're, they're getting the track in order, getting it covered, getting it sealed in so it can be race ready. Probably one of the least glorified jobs out there and probably the more, most thankless jobs out there. Right from Dirtworks, Randy Meninga. Randy, what up, dude? How you going, man? Doing good, doing good. I figured we could, uh, since you guys don't do titles, we could, uh, we could just, we could talk you up as much as possible on that intro, and uh, and really give some love to the to, to, and it doesn't do justice to the to the job you have uh, in front of you every weekend. But we wanted to bring some light to that as well. Well, appreciate it. Yeah, man. So, um, how how does it go? How does a track in any given weekend go from design to actually being built do you get some blueprints um how does that what's uh, we, that first step we we design them in the summertime um we start out with basically doing a roadmap, like a footprint of you know the layout of the, where the truck's going to go before we put any jumps in it and we submit that to the cell people and they either like it or don't like it or want to change it or whatever. And then once all of that's approved, then we take all those drawings and then we start putting jumps in them and, and actually designing it as a racetrack. Like it's it's basically a road course to begin with. Right. And then then after that, then we start putting in all the jumps and, and trying to make it the best racetrack possible. And, and even after all the thought that goes into that um, and all the time, because in your head you're thinking, okay, they're going to do this in this rhythm lane, but if we can make this like this, we can make them do a different option and hopefully make it a good racetrack. But even even after all that, when we actually get to the stadium and, and lay out, the we pull tape measures and put stakes in the ground where the jumps are going to go, even then, sometimes little changes happen because when you look at it, you see, oh boy, that's a little tight right there. They're yeah. probably not going to do this. They're going to want to go outside all the time. So we, we change things on the fly, and then it even even during the day, during practice, we change things on the fly. If they end up only going one way, we'll make that way not so sweet, and make another way a little sweeter to try to make both ways to go through a rhythm lane as close to the same as possible. It's, it's almost, it's, it's really tough for us now with uh, all the technology that's out, you know, with the lit pros yep. and, and, and the shadowing of, of their lap times with other riders and stuff. But we definitely, definitely have a lot flat on our plate when it comes to trying to make the lanes the same. And how about like on press day, you have the guys they ride like just usually a little sec, a couple sections of the track. They don't ride the whole track. Um, if a rider comes in and says, "Hey, this jump is too peaked," or, or you know, if they have a a safety issue or a complaint, do you guys usually take that in consideration and try to change it, or what does it take to make? Oh yeah, yeah. If there's ever anything safety, for sure, we're uh, we're on it straight away, but we don't really get too much of this is too peaky or whatever. Like, uh, when we talk to the riders, we ask, you know, our, our questions start with what's going to make for better racing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, is, is, 
is this way just way too fast? Should we change it up to make, you know, better racing? Like, at the end of the day, the better racetrack and the better racing, the better for everything, you know? <laughs> we We don't, like... We don't really get too much of the peaky stuff. The the bad thing is we're we're not able to like take a skid steer in and and make it all perfect transitions and super smooth and everything straight away because by the time race day comes around when you try to water it it all just runs off it's all packed in super tight and then you're gonna have a dust bowl on race day so we gotta leave it just dozered in and as smooth as we can make it with the dozers without yep. putting skid steers on it so that it, the dirt will still take water. And so press day, they all, the riders all know that it's still a little rough in, you know, but they'll say, Hey, this, this one here, this transition here was a little abrupt. It was kind of gnarly. And, and they know that, Oh yeah, we're going to take the dozers through again and then skid steers and it'll get fixed up. But that's basically it. Like we'll, we'll get, some some comments sometimes about you know where we're coming off of this jump and when we're landing it's a little abrupt or something so we address it for sure anything they tell us to do we obviously do it we're not going to be like yeah too bad right <laughs> right now i mean i'm sure with, with that you know comes uh you, you're gonna always probably have you can't please everybody right there's probably always gonna be somebody that's just a little unhappy with, with everything how do you how do you deal with a situation like that or do you just say hey tough shit i'm sorry you know no 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 like it it comes with an explanation like if they sure. say hey like, i don't want to say any names of writers but there's certain writers that will come to you and say hey if you can do this or whatever I'll explain to him why. Like, the reason that we're not doing that is because that'll make that lane, that will make that part of that lane way too good, and everyone's going to do that, and then it's going to be a freight train. Like, and as hard as it is these days to pass on a lot of these <laughs> tracks, like, if you make one way super good, everyone's going to go that way, even the guy that's getting lapped. Yeah. And yeah. the guy that's lapping the lapper doesn't want to be taking the same line he's taking he'd want to take a different line so he can get around them but if you make that one way that much sweeter it's they're all going to take it and so that's that's basically our that's our biggest biggest obstacle i guess in, in building the racetrack in the small time that we have to do it is to make it so that there's multiple lines that are close to the same speed so that you can get around another guy uh, question and we're getting in regards to maybe the multiple lines things like that building split lanes is that kind of a pain in the butt outside the normal process or is it just like doing anything else no not really we don't do it a lot because when you split lane it you basically take your race surface down to instead of 22 foot line 22 foot wide race surface now you just cut it in half and you typically have to put a tough block in there to separate the two. And now you just took another foot and a half off of it. So it ends up making things tight. So we don't do a lot of split lanes. We'll do a split lane corner, a couple we've done this year. We're yeah. actually doing one this weekend. Um, but that, then again, when you do that split lane, you chase it all day. Because they'll be going one way the whole way. 
and then you'll make adjustments and try to make it so the other way works better, and then they go the other way the whole time. So it's just like, it's, yeah. it is a pain. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of it. I'd rather just make a lane that you can do multiple options and try to make them the same. Right. So how about, I, I don't know how, how big into social media you are, but, you know, there's always the keyboard warriors and, of course, us in the media that, you know, have our complaints and, oh, why why would they build the track this way? How do you guys as a team even – do you guys even care about that stuff? Does it bother you when people are bitching about um, – Sometimes I try not to even deal with it. I try not to even look at it. You know, I mean, obviously I do the Instagram. That's pretty much all I do. Um, but uh, I, I try not to let things bother me. Sometimes I'll – it'll get under my skin and I'll just put them right in their place. Like, yeah. It sucks. Like, dude, you don't even know. I worked 32 hours in the first two days of this build to get this thing built and then covered with plastic and pumped water and tromped around in the mud for two days and then uncovered it and spread drying agent all over the track to get it rideable and, and you're complaining. It's like, shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would... But, Go ahead. But, like, for the most part, like, the only, the, the, when the people complain about something or whatever, a lot of times they just don't understand the circumstance. So instead, you don't want to go on there and, and, and start some sort of, like, keyboard war or something. Like, first of all, I don't have time. And second of all, it's unprofessional and there's no reason for it. But I basically, we all basically just try not to be confrontational and just to explain to them, like the reason that, you know, the transitions and the jumps were blocking the riders is because it rained for three days straight and the bottoms of the jumps were all saturated with water. So they're soft. And then as they start to rut up the rut, is super soft at the bottom where your bike initially pushes into the jump. Mm -hmm. And then as it lightens up, it doesn't push as hard. So then it starts getting steeper and steeper and steeper. So when it's really ruddy, we try to make the, the jump bases not so steep because as the ruts start to form, they get steeper. So we, we, take that into consideration during the build like as we're building it like we know this dirt soft it came in super wet we need to make the jump faces more mellow because they're gonna get steep in the ruts like the jump face is still gonna look mellow but where the bike's actually going in the rut mm -hmm. it's gonna be steep right so right. we gotta explain that <laughs> there's just a lot of stuff that we just basically try to explain to the uh, people that are you know not happy with the way it looked on TV or something, or this guy crashed because he didn't anticipating the bike getting blocked because of the rut, you know, right. like yeah, yeah. we try to just explain to them and leave it at that. Sure. I think that's probably the only way to really handle it. Cause some people you're just not gonna make happy no matter what anyway. So yeah, for sure. Um, so there, 
I, I think I'm going to know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I've had a few people ask, and I heard it after Seattle with the the mud fest. A lot of people were asking, why would you not build a track since they were predicting rain? Why would you not build a track in in anticipation for the mud? So not so peaky, you know, like the finish line was very difficult to get over. Like I said, I feel like I know the answer to this, but why would you not build the tr- the track where it was easier in the mud? Um, first things first, it was new dirt. So last year's dirt, the same exact track would have worked fine because it could take water. Mm-hmm. This year's dirt was complete new dirt. I wasn't in Seattle, but obviously. I talked with all the guys Mm -hmm. and this year's dirt came in super wet. So they built with dirt that was already too wet to begin with. And it couldn't take water. The fact that we, they had us pull plastic and have practices while it was raining. There was just a lot of things that, that, you don't know until it's done. Yeah. That uh, we probably shouldn't have did this or we should have did that. Um, uh, just talking to riders after the event, um, they just said that the dirt was just, you just couldn't do anything. Like you couldn't get a run. You couldn't jump anything. It was just terrible. Like that dirt is not good dirt for as much rain as we got there. And, it was too wet to begin with. So it was just a combination yeah. of stuff. And, and as far as why don't we build a different track? Well, we have a blueprint that's been approved and that's already sent to TV. It's already been animated. Yeah, yeah. There's so much, there's so much stuff that goes, that the track design, like the TV people get it. The, the, uh, um, Sponsor people that set up all the sponsors that we want these sponsor tough blocks in this area. We want the four triple the parts unlimited finish line. Like all, yeah. there's so much stuff that goes into it that just go ahead and change and building an entire different track on the fly is just it's just not something that can happen. Like and especially since we fly in on a Monday and we start building on a Tuesday. You know, like there's just no, oh, let's design a different track, or yeah. it's just not something that we can even do. I mean, obviously, during the build, like I was saying earlier, we try to mellow stuff out, knowing that it's going to be soft and knowing that it's going to be rainy. But in that case, I'm not sure there's anything you could do. Like that was so bad. Like that, the only thing I've seen that bad was 2005 Anaheim. Like yeah. it was just, there's just nothing you could do. The skid steers got stuck trying to go out to do maintenance. Right, right. That's, yeah. There's just, it's, it's come, it came to a point where it was just so far gone and so bad that it was just, just survive, you know? Right. Like just get through it. 
Yeah. Well, let's say you build a track that you change it, you tame everything down, you cut sections out and jumps out, and then all of a sudden the weather miraculously clears up like it can do from time to time, and then you're stuck with the with an amateur track at a professional supercross race. It's just not. You, it's, it's could not you logical. imagine what we'd hear about yeah. that? Oh that, God, yeah. There you that go. That was what I thought the answer was actually going to be: is what if it didn't rain? Yeah. So I, I totally I mean, understand it. Last year was a perfect example. We got rain every every open stadium that we went to last year. We got rain every single one. Vegas wasn't until teardown, but it rained right after the race got over. It started dumping up. Like yeah, every single open stadium it rained last year. So we covered and and were able to save every single one of them. There was not one mutter last year at all, out of all the rain we got. And man. And I'm too. <laughs> it rained one day. We pumped all the water all day, went to lunch, and while we were at lunch, like it unleashed. And we were able to save the track. Like it was still a good racetrack. I remember that. Obviously, yeah. there was, you know, some soft stuff from the rain getting underneath the plastic. It's going to happen. If it rains enough where it goes underneath the plastic, there's nothing you can do about that. But we did everything we could to to make things work and and we're lucky but once it rains on race day you're just basically at the mercy of mother nature sure. there's nothing we can do well randy i i appreciate what you do and i'm sure there's been times that i've complained about the track and this and that you know but i don't <laughs> know what the hell i'm talking about i mean i'm not in your shoes yeah we're the idiots sitting on uh, TV. there's times when i'm upset there's yeah times when when it, the track didn't work the way that we thought it was going to work. I mean, even after watching press day and watching practice all day, you think something's going to work. And then when race conditions come around, you know, like it's, it's a whole different animal than qual even qualifying. Like yeah. The guys will do different things in the race than they did during qualifying because now there's another guy that's the same speed as you right next to you you know, you're going to do different things than what you did in your qualifying. So there's times where I'm upset with myself going, man, I wish I would have done this or I should have, <laughs> I should have made this like that. Right. It ended up being one line or, you know, but it just... our guys, we all do our best. We all have a passion for the sport. We put in 110% every week. If the people don't understand the hours that goes in, like, there's a lot of times we'll go in at nine in the morning on a Saturday and walk out of that stadium at 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday night Yeah, with, and then yeah. get on an airplane the next day, fly to the next city and then start all over again while they're all at home chilling yep. on their computers, bitching about the track. It's just like, <laughs> really, dude? Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of like part of my last question and my statement is first of all, as a show, we're relatively new. This is our first year being involved with, going to the Supercross races, and at St. Louis in particular, I couldn't sleep Friday morning, so I walked over to the stadium at 5 a.m. to watch early press day. And that's when I think I met you was at that early press day. And yeah. you guys are yep. out there working. You're working on the track all day. Then you work on the track all day Saturday morning before the races and in between heats and in between practice and all that stuff. And then at 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, when all the fancy shit's done, you guys are back out there tearing shit down. And yeah, we start right after the race. Like as soon as the podium stuff's done, yep. When the TV's done recording and we can have backup beepers, 
the guys are already stripping the top blocks off the track, and we go soon as there's a lane where there's no top blocks, we're already starting to pile up the jumps and digging out the finish line and and basically tear the whole thing down and get it ready. Dump trucks, typically on a normal week, we start at 10 o'clock tearing down or 10.30, and 3 a.m. the dump trucks start rolling in and we start loading the dirt out. And then by 6 a.m. most of the jumps are out and we start peeling the floor up with the excavators off the off the protective surface that protects the turf. And typically five o'clock at night, we got all the dirt out, we shoveled the tunnel and broomed all the dirt off the plywood and we're hopefully getting out of there somewhere around there, five, seven o'clock at night. Jeez. Yeah, so you go to the hotel and get some sleep. <laughs> Y'all put in a, a full week on a weekend. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of people that post things like forty hour a week, uh what do you do after Wednesday? And that's pretty uh pretty standard with us. <laughs> well you guys <laughs> except are... for it's like nine weeks straight, then a week off during Daytona and then you know, a few weeks straight, then you get Easter off and then it's from there out the rest of the season <laughs> well I, I really feel like you guys are like the unsung heroes and and I, I really appreciate you coming on here and giving us a few minutes of your time because i don't think most people realize that you know just like with any any jobs probably in particular people don't always realize what's going on and and you don't know everything and I, like i said i appreciate you coming on and giving us a little insight of what you guys go through well no worries and uh for anybody that's listening, we really do appreciate when when people give us the props and say you guys did a great job, or you know, just anything that's that's saying like, you know, it's unbelievable what you guys get done in a week. Like that stuff, we we enjoy that just as much as we hate the negative stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you for everybody that does give us the props that that they do because we actually do take a lot of pride in what we do. And you do, and you do it well. Uh, yeah. and those tracks are just just masterpieces and works of art. And, and and for anybody out there complaining about this or that, most of you guys wouldn't know how to crank the crank the dozer that shapes those jumps. So give these guys <laughs> give these guys some respect. You know, give these guys some props. They deserve it. They work hard. You just you just heard how a normal weekend goes. What the hours get put into it. Things of that nature, man. So just remember, next time you're upset about something, it wasn't you that had to build it. So you're good to go. You know. <laughs> Randy, I'm sorry. I, I like to I like to stir the pot a little bit sometimes, homie. But I, I feel for you guys. We we you know nothing but admiration on this side for for anybody that that makes that show happen because it's the best show on earth, in my opinion. Well, thanks, bud. We appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks, Randy, we we'll look forward to talking to you again sometime. Randy, have a good one. All right, guys. Have a good night. Thanks. You too. Thanks, thanks, man. Randy Meninga, Dirt Works. I forgot to ask him how I even got started doing that. Did you ask him? I don't no, remember. No, it was on my list, but like I said, we just couldn't get through all the questions. So That's a lot. And, and the thing is, like, I don't think you don't really ever know when you write questions down like that. You don't know like with, with which one of the questions they're going to give you more info than you yeah, yeah, asked exactly. for, you know? Sure. And which, which with this, I, I love every time they do it, especially with this, because this is not something you get to hear about every day. Now, I don't even remember talking to many of these, hearing these guys on any other podcast either. And they may be on there. I don't remember. but Yeah, not that I – it's been a while since I've heard anybody from uh, Dirtworks on. I think I have on Pulp. 
Yeah, I mean, I was just say, I know Matt, Mathis is good yeah. about getting everybody on. There was on. actually a tweet at Travis last night about the Seattle thing and why didn't they build the track to to prepare for the rain and stuff. And um, Mathis did say, well, I don't have anybody from Dirtworks on to answer that, so I'm not going to answer it. And I hit that guy up and said, hey, we are tonight. So so I asked it for him. It's uh, His Twitter account, I believe, is uh, HS Football Fan, high school mm-hmm. football fan. There so you go. That was for him. Um, but, yeah, man. Before we wrap this up, um, we have one more contest for our Patreon listeners. So if you guys, I've got a set of Pro Taper grips that I'm gonna give away. We've actually got two more contests, but one. Oh. one this is for the Patreon listeners. Okay, so for the Patreon listeners, I want to know. Give me two of the bands, two of the concerts that Ralph tonight said were his favorite concerts of all time. Hit hit us up on our Patreon account. Answer the question. I'll send you a set of Pro Taper grips. There you go. All righty, guys. I just posted on Instagram a picture of. Uh, a Moto X Pod Show uh, trucker hat. It's the only hat in existence with our logo on it. We've not ever made another one. This was more or less uh, just something we got to see if we, you know, what it would look like on there. And basically, when the when the when the existing logo got done, we did. Now, I posted the picture on Instagram. You're going to have to get on there and check it out. Moto X Pod Show, easy to find. Um, here's a question. First part of the show, we talked about one of the original members of this show, who's no longer on the show. What was his name? If anybody can give that, uh, that's an easy question. But you got to inbox one of us. It doesn't matter who it is. I don't care if you message me, you know, Dark Side on Instagram, message me on Instagram, or just the show's page, whatever. Message us what his name was, and we'll send you this hat. And this is the only one in existence. So you're going to be one of a kind. Yeah. You're so that's be three contests tonight we're doing. Three the contests. Contest, the Pro Taper Grips mm-hmm. and the Moto X Pod hat. And thanks to TJ being a slacker, we just realized we have stacks of stickers that never got given out. We thought we were out of stickers. We're not out of stickers. Now, it's got the OG logo on it, the original one, the first one we did, but which these are my favorites, believe it or not, it, uh, just the way they look. So uh, you want stickers? Message me. We'll send them out. Message Darkside. He'll send you some. Right on. I got a good show, man. Hey, yeah, so real quick, though, if you guys listen to this show and there's no intro, that would be my fault again. This program, I'm still, I'm just not as good at this, the soundboard program as TJ is and the intro with the beginning music and Mark reading the commercials and us talking about the Marvin uh, Eli Tomac. I really hope that's not gone. Segment, uh, it kind of disappeared, but I should be able to find it and get it back in there. But if not, that's me. Yeah, that was dark side. <laughs> it was his fault. God, I, I hope it's there. I've been stressing about it this whole show. I don't think so. anybody's going to give you any shit because you don't do anything wrong in there. That's eyes. not true. Yes, it is. No, but <laughs> come on, darky. You know I, it's I have true. A, uh, I have a Twitter block on all dark side complaints. <laughs> That's that. Thanks to Travis Mark, the Dune Goon. He, he, he wrote a little 011010 code that anytime anybody complains about dark side, it just disappears. Really? Yeah. It's good to have friends in high places, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, anyway. Shit's getting thick in here, right. guys. So I'm going to go ahead and step out the room. But uh, thanks to all of our sponsors, All Sport Dynamics, Mad Jack Synthetic, Dealers of Amsoil Products, uh, MX Girl Designs, Shock Socks, Five Star Roofing of Texas, All Sport Dynamics. Did I miss one? I don't think so. I'm being an ass reading these the way. But I hey, and, and if you, um, you know, you're interested in some Anzoil products, and you hit up Mad Jacks or Dane Evans, let them know that the Moto X Pod you you heard about that they're the deal through the Moto X Pod show. 
that helps Dana out and uh, Mad Jack's uh, synthetics. It helps him out so he knows where the advertisements come from. And, mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully he'll stick with us if we uh, send him enough business. So yeah, yeah. Let, him know the, let all these sponsors know that you heard about them through the Moto X Pod Show. Yeah, absolutely. And if you you know, like I said, doesn't matter who it is. Whether I mean, Shock Socks is going to be a little tough, but hey, when you get a set, here's how you do that: you tag us and them in the same post, and they'll, and and so we know. And uh, if you order a set of graphics from M- MX Girl Designs. Hey, same thing. Just do start doing social media posts. Tell Shari that we sent you. She'll let one of us know. Her and I text semi regularly, so she'll tell one of us. And I'm sure she talks to Jamie too quite a bit. But uh, any any of these guys, all sport dynamics. I know Jamie talks to Jeff quite a bit over there because uh, him being a, a rep, a dealer, or whatever you want to call him over there. Let 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 them know. Give us some love. Let them know that what that the, what they're putting into us, they're getting back something back for it. So, anyways, good show, Jamie. Yeah, I think well, <laughs> well, it was awesome. Well, hey, you know I what? I feel the, like it was a good show, but I've been stressed. You know about what the that positive? File. You know what the positive is on that is that TJ's part will get cut out if you if you lost it. <laughs> so we won't have no TJ on here. Well, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully I'll I, I hopefully I'll find it. <laughs> I didn't delete it. It just disappeared. I never hit delete, so it's oh, got to wow. be here somewhere. It happens, man. It happens. Don't don't beat yourself up. Very unprofessional. Well, this is not exactly a professional organization here, Jamie. It's supposed so. to be getting better as we go, though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't have much to say about that. <laughs> but right. uh, Well, let's anyway. get off here so I can hopefully find All it. All right, guys. We'll have a for, for Dark Side Muscle Mark, DJ TJ, Moto X Pod Show. See you next week. See you guys.